You're listening to a DM podcast. There has been a glass ceiling on most of society for a very long time. And the internet has smashed that glass. Now, don't get me wrong, it still like exists maybe a level higher, but the internet has really smashed open a lot of opportunity for a lot of people where that, no, like, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago, even now today, you had people at networks in positions of power that dictated who got a shot and who didn't, which is whatever, they're just doing their job, not have cracking them. Now, no one dictates who can make a better life for themselves, who can go on the internet, teach themselves something, and then earn money from something they love. Hi, I'm Anthony, and with me always is Jules. G'day. And this is Behind the Podcast. Today, we talk to Dan and Kemp, the bloke behind Bloke in a Bar, one of Australia's most popular sports podcasts and online sports community, and a successful beer brand. Today, Denon takes us through his successful approach to leveraging each of these three elements to grow the others. When Denon finished his career in rugby league, like a lot of players at the time, the future beyond sport wasn't really a huge focus. He was working a job in freezing conditions, finding himself in the grips of an existential crisis, wondering what his future held. It was at this time he fell in love with podcasts and decided to back himself and put his time and money into starting his own. He brought a new perspective to the NRL and put the power in the players' hands and gave the audience a point of view they weren't getting from the traditional media channels. All right, Denim, time to tell us all about Bloke in a Bar. Bloke in a Bar is an online sports network that has its own beer and merchandise. Specifically focused at rugby league at the moment, but we eventually will be taking steps into other sports. I personally won't be involved in that as in the sense of like, I won't be the face of it. We'll get other people like me, ex-players, to kind of push it. And when you say sports network, you're meaning social media, YouTube, podcasts, of course, incredibly successful. Mm, So basically, if it's news, if it's culture, if it's comedy, we do anything to do with rugby league. Some A bit of boxing, a bit of MMA, because that's what I enjoy. Um, We have, you know, the podcast. We've got multiple podcasts. One of them is where I sit down and interview professional athletes, mainly rugby league players, but we've done other sports as well, done women's sports as well. Um, Then we've got a podcast where I break down uh, the games of the weekend. So a pretty in-depth footy show that's like can tell you the X's and O's of what's happening, but also with a bit of a comedic twist. Comedic twist as in I carry on like a fuckwit, but um, you know, that's the kind of basis. So we've got multiple podcasts that I host and one of them has a guest, the other one's just me. And then each day we'll release anywhere from six to maybe seven or eight posts on our Instagram and Facebook, updating people of signing news, injuries, the latest news when it comes to trades, all of that stuff. Um, the winners, the losers, every single match we post the results, uh, big performances from the game, their meters, their stats, everything like that. But also we would do memes, you know, of Tigers always finishing ninth and everything like that. So it, the whole the whole shebang, we do it in rugby league. You don't come from a media background you know, necessarily. You come from a sporting background, as you've mentioned. Do you want to tell us a little about a bit about your playing career? Because you sort of had an interesting first step into the Broncos as well, which mm. a lot of people will know you from. Mm. It was maybe not the longest career history of, of league leading up to that. Mate, you actually, you undersell the averageness of it. <laughs> it was right... When I retired, 42 games was the average NRL career. I retired, I had 43 games. Above Slightly average. above average. <laughs> yeah. Slightly above average. But you know what's funny is I came on the Hello Sports podcast, the, 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 the one and only, um, and I actually made a mistake. I told them it was 42, and I went back and checked, but I don't know if someone's changed my wiki <laughs> to pump me up one. If they have, God bless your soul. God bless your soul. So I was the typical, not the typical, like I came in and huge, huge future, went really, really well. 
Um, had a, one of the you know better debuts you can have. Absolutely, um, scored on debut. He scored on debut. One, yeah, so like I came in and it was just the world like was talked about in origin circles, everything like that. And then eventually everything culminated in the sense of, you know, maybe making bad choices when it comes to signing for specific clubs or then there was also the off-field stuff. I I wasn't handling my mental health very well, um, poor relationships. And then you add that onto, you know, certain deals not going my way. So like just everything culminated in it not working for me. And then underlying all of that is that eventually I got to the point where I was like, I just don't enjoy this anymore. I just don't, I, I can see a future. My family is rather successful in the sense of not my, my parents are successful, not financially, but successful at what they do. Um, my brother and sister were very successful in their career. So I knew that I had it in me to do something else. Whereas you'll find a lot of footy players is they, they really don't have the confidence to say, I can be more than what I was as a footy player. Most of them are sitting there going, this is the pinnacle of my life. They're, they're aware that they're going to have to go get a trade. Whereas I felt like, look, I can achieve so much more. So it was, it, it was a hard decision and an easy decision in the sense that um, I didn't love it anymore. Uh, I did identify massively as a footy player and a sports player person, but at the same time, I knew that there was more to life than just rugby league. Mate, and you're doing it. But yeah. I'll tell you what, go back to your career for a second. We watched the other day your four tries against power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that yeah. last try, I reckon that's as good a moment as anyone has ever had as a sportsman. Like, absolute, that was oh, that mate. looked incredible. Home that, team? Yep. Suncorp. Boyhood Club, Suncorp, yeah. after the bell. Receiving end of Lockyer. Lockyer, oh. the greatest of all time in my opinion. No, you're totally right. And that, that, that made it easier to, to quit in the sense that you have this moment. That can never be topped. Like I'm never going to top that moment. Even if I played for Queensland, I, that would still be massive. But I just think that moment that I had, that's every kid in the backyard to a T, like siren goes. The greatest of all time is looking for you. Puts the kick off, bounces perfectly. And then you add on the, the other three tries. I just, looking back on it now, I just feel like how lucky, you, you are the most lucky person in the world to have experienced that. And also the bizarre thing looking back at now is that nearly everyone that watched that at it, when it happened they can tell you where they were. Yeah. They can tell you what they were doing. And so to be able to have that, it's it giving me tingles now. I'm just so, so grateful. You know, like I, that, that made it easy for me to go, you know what? I had a fucking great run. Like what, yeah. what else could I ask for at this incredible moment? Yes, maybe I didn't achieve the heights I could have, but at the same time, like the four tries is crazy too because it equaled the club record. But when you go through the list, you've got like international, Wendell Saylor, Justin Hodges, Carmichael Hunt, Steve Renoff. Renoff, yeah. Denikem. But it was like, who the fuck is Denikem? And like these greats and that. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's humbling, that's for sure. When you were playing for the Broncos and just throughout your league career, were many of your kind of contemporaries or teammates or whatever, were they thinking about media careers post or was it this kind of still something that wasn't really on people's radar? Or was it just future sort of immortals almost getting a job at Channel 9 was the only yeah. option? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, as a player, if you weren't Darren Lockyer, Thurston, you just didn't think of it. You didn't, because if you did try to pursue it, the boys would tear you to shreds. Like, mate, you know, stop big noting, stop carrying on like this. You've got to focus on the team. You're getting ahead of yourself, your ego, this, that. The 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 culture has changed dramatically, yeah. like dramatically. The guys coming through now, and it's it's for the better. Like, obviously, there's some negatives, like kids do get ahead of themselves. But the guys coming through now, they, they can express themselves as human beings. Whereas when I was coming through, I used to get like peppered, like bullied because I played video games. And I, I was always like... Bro, I'm just enjoying myself. Like, can you just... Like, I'm literally not doing anything to anyone. I just enjoy World of Warcraft. I just want to play it. Like, I just want to chill. Like, can you leave me alone? And, and uh, 
They wouldn't. They wouldn't. So it was a very different environment. And so you always just go, you know what? Yep, the big players, they'll go on, get a contract with Nine, Fox Sports. But any personal player like me, like, you just you didn't put yourself out like that because the culture was all about fitting into a team, almost army-like, fitting into a team environment. Don't get me wrong, there were characters and, and um, you know people in the team that may have got more immediate interviews, but you could even ask journalists from that period. They'll say to you, Denon, I didn't see Denon as a media guy. Like We didn't think that he loved interviews. And that's a mixture of me just, you know, I was struggling so much mentally to, because I played soccer till I was 17, I was struggling so mentally struggling mentally so much to transition into rugby league so the first few years i I didn't really talk that much because i was so shocked by the culture shock but also i didn't have much confidence when it came to really anything like i always did enjoy the interviews but i just didn't i guess my face didn't tell you that i enjoyed it um and yeah so when i was coming through absolutely not there was no thought of personally i had dreams like in 2012 my ex my ex ex ex-girlfriend at the time i said to her like I really want to like create a YouTube channel um, that does gaming news, and I actually I created the channel and it's oh man the name of it and every like it's so cringe or whatever. So I'd created the channel and I wanted to do gaming news, but because I had my career still going on, I, it, it just like took away the focus. Um, as well as with the gaming news, I knew that if I did it, I have to be all in. But on top of that, if I'm doing gaming news, I have to compete with the whole world. Whereas if I'm doing league news, I'm just competing with no one because no one's doing it for one. Yep. But also, only other NRL players because even if you're the best at what you do when it comes to league analysts, if you haven't played NRL, I've got a he- I've got a head start on you only because people will... Even if what I'm saying is right and the guy who hasn't played NRL is saying is... Sorry, even if what I'm saying is wrong and what he's saying is right, they'll listen to me just because I've played NRL. So yeah, I knew yeah. that was my foot in the door. Yeah, you've got a couple of advantages, don't you? You've got the ex you've played, yeah. so the players respect you. The average punter goes, he knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. And then you had first mover because no one else is doing this. Mm. Which is bizarre because at the time, I didn't consider myself a first mover. I just It was just something that I wanted to do. Um, and, and you know, there was years where I really, you know, my concentration waned, like at probably at least 24 months where I would still kind of release the podcast, but I focused much more heavily on the snippets from the podcast because that's where I could earn more revenue by sponsorships, more ad space, everything like that um, to get me by until I got to the plan, which was pretty much where we are now. But yeah, there was, I didn't feel like a first mover. It was just something that I was working like 50, 60 hours a week was working in the freezing cold. I had my hard hat on an above ground mine and I would have like a beanie and I had like some of the first wireless headphones. So just real good OHNS stuff. Yeah, good OHNS stuff. But I would love the job because like if it, if someone said, oh, you've got to go work with that group, I'd be like, yeah, sweet, I'd do it. But if the if I got jobs where I was like, go cut ties for eight hours, a lot of people would hate that job. But I would like that job because I'd be by myself, I could put my headphones in and listen to podcasts all day. And that's where the love for them grew. You know, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, um, Joe Rogan, I'm, I'm not. I don't listen to anymore. Probably haven't listened to about four, for about four years. But that initial Joe Rogan, you know, wave. Um, well, this is before anyone knew it was. I listened to you know religiously. Sam Harris is another one I really like, um, which is funny because like a lot of people think I'd love the sports podcast, but it's actually more of the I don't know, not, not intellectual because I'm not that. But you know what I'm saying. No, but there's definitely the Rogan DNA, and I like a lot of people try to poo poo it, but he did get so many people into podcasting absolutely and podcasting and there's that dna in your show where you like it's conversational it's long form and you don't like to fill it with ads yeah absolutely so when you're starting out these snippets were that that's all youtube that was facebook so initially what i would do is i release like just a full length video on facebook yep and this was like 2015 yeah 
Um, and then and eventually I started cutting them up into the best bits and I would release, I think I would release like, so I'd get the episode, be about an hour long and then I would release a snippet from like Monday through to Friday and I'm pretty sure I would, then I would release the podcast but I never really pushed the podcast. It, it sounds bizarre to say it but I, at that point I was always like, oh, they don't want me posting all the time and like posting about a podcast, like this boring content um you know it was very different time back then very different time like posting six days six times a week uh, six times a day back then would be outrageous um whereas now they can't get enough like you can't feed them enough content i could I've, i could have posted 10 in my feed and 25 in my story and i've never received a single person saying you post too much and it's you're doing crazy. good content because look we got a company called shareably that does engagement on social media you're number two of any podcast in australia on social media oh really yeah, yeah. fuck who's number one um Batuta. Batuta. <laughs> i'm coming for you boys <laughs> yeah. i'm coming you're coming for us for sure Man, <laughs> how good's that That's but you're awesome. killing it yeah thank you i didn't know that thank you i mean you've clearly got the gift of the gab and you said that a few of the media personalities now are a bit surprised to find out that you wanted to do this i mean mm. at what stage did you go from listening to rogan and ferris and everyone and decide all right i'm gonna give this a knock mm. and then what was the first interview like mate so it was basically out of desperation I desperately hated my life, hated my job, woke up every morning, would sit at the end of the bed at four o'clock going, this is fucked. Like, there's got to be more to life than this. Like, I cannot be an electrician. I was doing my mature age apprenticeship and I had to go. So, initially, they made us live out in Maroolan and it was, and apparently, again, this might be workplace myth, but apparently, on average, it's the coldest place with the wind chill in the country. So, it's, put it this way, it's fucking freezing. <laughs> it's freezing. We're, I'm talking where we work in Bellaclavas, sunnies, full gloves, like three layers of jumpers, long pants, boots. Um, and so we're out there, we were living out there. And this is the first, so I'd actually moved down to Wollongong to get the job. But Nathan, um, Nathan Freen had said, if you come down here, you could come play for the butchers and I'll get you this electrician job. As soon as I got down there, they're like, sorry, the only work we've got out in Maroolan, um, you'll if you do want to play, you've got to drive an hour and a half to get to training, train, and then drive back the next morning. And I was like, Feeney, sorry, bro. But like, I'm not, I didn't come down here to be driving an hour and a half to training. Like, I know you got me the job. And I, I said to AR, they, they were called Bass then. They're called ARA now. Fantastic company. They really were a fantastic company. Um, and I said to them, look, guys, like, I got here, like, here to play footy. And they said, look, we can see you were working now. So, put your job first. I was like, okay, sweet. So, we're out there for about six months, um, staying in like a, one of those real shitty motels. Like, you know, I don't know, like 60 bucks a night. Just, just a shit motel. It was called like the Astra or something like that. Anyway. Good plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good like, I think it's called the Ash. I could be wrong, but so that was in Goulburn. So we would live in Goulburn. We'd drive out to the work, workplace. And in this period, like I was just listening to podcast after podcast. Most people didn't even know what podcast is. But what is crazy, two years into the job, there's this dude that kept talking about Bitcoin. He's probably loaded right now. Oh, he man. is fucking probably loaded. Big, tall, nerdy dude. And he just kept talking about like mining this and that. And I, I not not to say that I knew it would work, but like I have been, I'm very techno, like, I love technology, so I was open to hearing what he had to say. Anyway, that's a, another... He's rich. Whoever he is, he's probably a billionaire. <laughs> um, and so basically, I was listening to heaps of podcasts. Then they took our Laha away, which is living away from home allowance. And that was about $600 a week. And they basically said, like, if you don't like it, you've got no work. Um, so they, that's what they do. They get you out there on the job, everything like that. And then they take, they'll take they it away. Yeah. And then so, you've, so we had to drive about an hour and 45 in the morning to work, an hour and 45 back home from work. And so, like, you'd wake up at about four, sit at the end of the bed. I already hated the job. This made me hate it even more. And But I just, 
always was of the, of the mind that, you know, as a man, you have to have a job, you have to provide, you have to start beginning the process of having enough money to take care of your family. That was always in my head, but I fucking hated it. And so with the podcast, I just, I just, I loved podcasts. No one was doing it. And I wanted a way for people to see the real side of rugby league players. I wanted people to see that like, yes, we are aggressive. You know, yes, we do stupid stuff. Totally. I'm the first to admit we do stupid stuff. But these young men, right? yeah, like, exactly. But we get painted as as just these violent criminals. When again, yes, we do do stupid stuff. But if you actually compare our stuff ups to the general public's eighteen to twenty five year old stuff ups, we actually do much less, much less. Um, a lot more in the media as well. A lot more in the media as well. So, so I always just of the mind that I understand that you know people. I'm not here as a footy apologist, but at the same time, I'm just going to give you a way to hear them as a person. And if you still think that we're like that, that's totally fine. But I'm very confident any reasonable person will be like, yeah, he's actually a pretty good bloke. And so that was, I wanted to be able to give back to sport and that. And I just said to myself, you know what? I'm going to give myself two years. I'm going to do this for two years. And at worst, if it has a thousand listens a week, I'll just put my electrical company on it and do domestic sparky work or whatever and use it to advertise the electrical business. Um, and at best, I get to do it as a full-time job. Um, and so that was the kind of motivating factor initially. And the first guest was by Ryan. You had met him through mates of mates that have played that were playing footy, and so he agreed to come on. But I procrastinated for like four or five months, bought all the equipment, maxed out the credit cards, had no fucking money, like on apprentice wages, so on fuck all. Um, but I just I, I'm a very risk. To, I'll take risks. Um, it hurt me at times, but also helped me. Did that, set it all up, and then I literally left it there for like four months and just procrastinated because. Why I, were you procrastinating? Well, I was just afraid. Just afraid. Just yeah. afraid. That's like, fair. just to, again, this isn't now where everyone's doing a podcast or you know there are a lot of podcasts. This was a time of like a guy that you know the NRL. I had zero followers on social media. No, like I didn't even have Instagram and Facebook when I played footy, and so all of a sudden this you know guy that had this great career pops up out of nowhere like and then lost it pops up out of nowhere with his podcast you know people are very judgy and they were at the start some were most were pretty good um so i procrastinated for about four months and then eventually i just said i just got to do it i just got to do it and just you know pulled the trigger had him on terrible interview had two laptops set up with two webcams and i had like because i wanted to i love the like blue light and rogan's podcast he used to have this like blue light that sat behind him and so i got the same thing had this blue light that sat behind me had these and from the start, I was like, one of the biggest issues with getting guests on is them having to drive out to, to do it. If you could pop in their, their living room, the amount of guests you get on is essentially infinite, you know, unless they don't want to do it. And so I was like, how can I change that? So I designed the um, the graphics so that they would fit on pop-up walls. Like, you know, so like pop-up walls that you see in the middle of a shopping center and they're trying to sell you something. Yeah, yeah this is brilliant. And so I, I was like, that that will remove the, ref- the friction of getting guests on because that's going to be the hardest thing for me. Um, and so I went and purchased that. That's what I maxed the credit cards out. And I in my own living room, so I got rid of, we had nothing in our living room. So we had nowhere to eat our food, nothing like that. Got a table made by my cousin, got it shipped down. We, we put it up. Um, and so I would have the two media pop-up walls and because the, the, the graphic was wood, it looked like a hard backdrop, but really it was, it was material. Um, like even now the studio that I'm in now, it looks like hard wood, but it's, it's wallpaper. Right. And that only cost about 900 bucks to get fully installed. It's in the second room of my house, like my unit. Yeah, right. Um, cause I was always, I just knew you can create illusions on camera cause I'd watch so much YouTube and that. Anyway, so I set that up, left in the thing. We didn't have a lounge room. For the whole time we were living there because that, that was there to do interviews to edit i would sit down do the interviews um, if i had to travel i would pack it all down 
put in my car and we would, I'd go up to the Pullman Hotel in Homebush usually or I'd go to the Novotel in Cronulla or something at Ridges maybe in Cronulla, whatever it was, and I would unpack it all. So we moved from Maroolan to Port Kembla. It was a coal terminal. And so this you would finish work covered in coal. And I think that was like driving home. I was like, I can't believe like, I never thought this is what I'd be. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You earn, you know, well, I didn't earn good clients of mature age apprenticeship. But I just like, this isn't what I envisioned. I, I feel like my mind is not suited for this. My life. <laughs> Every day we'd drive in the bus t- to where we needed to work. And we'd have all these young guys around us. And we would, I would constantly say, like, there's got to be more to life. Like, is this it? Is this it? And some guys probably wouldn't like me saying that yeah, shit. Yeah, like, shut up, dude. Yeah, Come right, on, shut up. <laughs> but if some guys would get on that wave too. They'd be like, man, yeah. you're totally right. Like, there's, there's got to be more to life. And I'd be like, I just, I can't see. Is this what it's all for? We just fucking rock up, work like just doing shit that a monkey could do. And then we go home and then we do it all again. Like, what the fuck's the point of this? Anyway, so I would pack up, have a quick shower. So let's say we had a shutdown. A shutdown is when they, they turn the electricity off and that so that you can rewire large areas of um, like big terminals. And so that's a, you, you, if you do a shutdown, you have to work 12-hour days, so 60 hours a week. But they were good enough to let me go. One of the days I would go from – I'd work from 7 till 3, and that's the day that I'd put the interview in. So I'd interview on. This is down in Wollongong at the time. I'd have a quick shower. I'd have everything already packed in the car. I'd jump straight in the car. I'd drive up to Sydney. I would unpack everything, put everything up, ready to go. We'd film it. We'd do the podcast, pack everything back down. I'd put it in the car and then I'd drive back down to Wollongong. Then I'd wake up the next day at four and we'd go back to the shutdown work, which was like, you know, six till six every day. Um, and I just, yeah, I did that for a while. Uh, and eventually a sponsor came called Moneyball. I had noticed that the page in that. Moneyball? Yeah, Moneyball. And they were they were the instrumental, man. Like they, they came to me and they said, like, we can give you this. Or initially they, they said we can give you x amount of dollars and then they reduced it like typical negotiation <laughs> tactic but at the time i didn't know nothing about negotiations i was just a very honest person like boom boom um and so it was only a three-month contract so it was fucking like no certainty whatsoever but i was like no nah, i'm doing it i'm fucking doing it. everyone said don't do it finish your apprenticeship and i was like i don't want to do this though like even if this doesn't work out i can't do this for the rest of my life like i was openly aware that i hated my life like i knew i hated my life it wasn't a mystery um, and so, yeah, we, t- we got the sponsorship deal, three, only three months worth, and went full-time on the, the podcast. So did you have much of a following kind of leading up to that sponsorship offer? No, we didn't have Instagram. We only had Facebook, and, and we just had the podcast, really. So we only had Facebook, and honestly, when, when they came in, we might have had 30,000 likes. Right, and how many people were listening to your podcast? I honestly don't even know. I can't even... wasn't much, maybe 1,000, 2,000. Yeah, right. Was it, wasn't much at all, like maybe even less. Like, I, yeah. I honestly, I just didn't look. I just, I'm the kind of guy that like, if I keep following target, like if I keep worrying about the numbers, gets in my head. Whereas yeah. I'd rather you just work as hard as you can every single day. The numbers are irrelevant. If I'm if if I'm not changing the way I work, the numbers are irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if if the if I'm working at eighty percent and the numbers make me work at ninety percent, I need to fix my attitude. The numbers shouldn't make me go 10% higher. I should be at the best I can be. That's why I think anyway. You said you've got all of this kit here. You've got your little mobile studio set up and you're interviewing these guys who maybe haven't really heard about podcasting too much or you know some old guys you played with or whatever and you rock up and you set up this shit. Were they a bit like taken aback seeing all this gear that you've got? And Mate, the they just walked in just going like, they were just like, oh, fuck, how good is this? This is sick. I'm, like, you know, this is really cool. And I, they, they were all really good. Initially, I started with like, my friends to get a base of like so if they needed to ask someone like what's it like is he a weirdo like and they probably go yeah he's a weirdo but he's not a bad bloke 
I would use that as a way to like filter throughout the community that, you know, it's all good. Like it's just a cruisy this or cruisy that. So most of the players are really good. The, the, the one interview that really gave me a bit of energy or momentum was actually Anthony Mundine. Like I'd never met Anthony Mundine before. He was like my 11th episode. So this is 2015 fucking podcast. Like no one knows what it is. I've never met him before. I literally just messaged him on Facebook. Hey, bro, would you like to come on the podcast? He was like, yeah, bro, when, when do you want me? And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was like, um, yeah, sweet, we'll do it at Cronulla. He comes down to Cronulla, doesn't ask for any money, doesn't ask for anything in return, gives me the like a, a, an interview that had snippets used on national news. It was the, you remember ages ago when he said he was like Thurston with twin turbos? Yeah. That was my interview. Dead set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why, although I disagree with some of the things he says, to message a guy you haven't met and him to come and give you that time, people yeah. don't understand like what kind of person you have to be to be willing to give your time to a person you haven't met just because they happen to be in the same industry. So I'll always respect Anthony for that. Always respect. Any, you know, he was an incredible athlete. You can never take that away from Absolutely. Him. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so they were all really good, man. Like uh, the the key to my success, well, if it is successful, whatever, is the boys backing it. It's like even now with the Instagram, it hit it hit its straps and and the Facebook and and all that because the boys said that this is it. It's like a a blue tick in the rugby league community. If the players say that this is the place you should follow, the fans are going to follow what the players say. Um, whereas if, if the media tells you where to go, people are like, man, the, the relationship between media and fan is so bad. Whereas the relationship with player and fan is still pretty good. So it's always, it's been the players back of me that's been a real, real, I guess it's like putting a jetpack on my back, really. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got all the guys trying to line up modeling work for the bloke beer and everything. Yeah. Well, it's cool because like they, they know that, like they, they know that the bigger this gets, the more I'm going to try to help them. It's like, so if this gets massive, the, the amount of, I guess power I can put back in the fans and the players' hands will be huge. You know, the players' association, the fans, when it comes to content, engagement, true stories, um, making their game a healthier place to enjoy the content. You know, because I think it's changing a little bit, but there was a period there where, like, you know, I just feel like some of the networks had really robbed the game of the fans and taken it and squeezed it for the profit that it gives them, but also turned it such a negative relationship like we got to realize like this game gives us all so much if we destroy it we'll all be with left with nothing and so i felt like there was a real period there where the where the, some of the networks weren't really respecting the game look i don't i don't mind if you have an opinion piece that you know most of players don't like you, you can speak to cleary all the boys if you say they don't play well sweet get it guess guess who has to deal with that anyway when they go into a video session on a Tuesday by someone they care about. They're getting fucking smashed by their coach. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But just the the false stories, the half-truths, the making someone look particularly bad even though you know that's someone's personal brand. You're just tarnishing it. I, I always say to people, imagine imagine if like Latrell or Dusty Martin, it's Dusty Martin, is it? The, yes, yeah, AFL. AFL guy. Imagine if they did a research or they did some kind of study that generated or, or kind of worked out how much revenue his name in a headline has generated for that company but that same company will use his name negatively and devalue him but they'll make money off it how does that work he yeah. gets devalued but they get money from it 
Like I just think yeah, that, double dipping. You know, yeah, it's just crazy. It's just like, how is that fair? Yeah, and it's just clickbait because everyone's going to read the Latrell smashing 100%. piece. Like, what are they saying about him? Put Latrell in a headline, guarantee going to click. Yeah. And so, like, even like Latrell, like you don't have to agree with his his stances on certain things or whatever. But if you sit down with Latrell and speak to him, he is a fucking fantastic person. Fantastic. Even I had him on my podcast and and we spoke about the the anthem and. And all that kind of stuff. And, I, and I, I said to him, I said, look, I'm a really proud Australian. Like, I know we've got issues. I know, um, you know, the, I know there's indigenous, the indigenous issues and everything like that. And the way he spoke was so mature for a guy that's 22, 23 years old and so fair, you know. But because the media takes what he says and makes it as aggressive as possible, people think that he's like out here just telling people to fucking this, that. So... And he's just a redneck yeah. black fella. He just wants to go hunting. He wants to go 100%. ride his jet skis. He wants to go ride his bikes, and he just wants to be on country. Hundred percent. You know, he's it, not. He's not a bad guy. He's not really out there isn't. Trying to cause trouble. He loves Australia. Like yeah. he loves this country. But he also feels there are things that need to improve. Like it's a really reasonable thing to say. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a really reasonable thing yeah. if you listen to him say it without the media taking the headline and trying to create controversy. Even if you disagree with him, you'll still be like. I like I understand where you're coming from, and I and you have a right to that opinion. So I just I, that's that was a real motivator for the podcast as well because long form conversation you could hear just hear the whole thing, you know, instead of a fucking headline that says, you know, that implies this or that. So yeah, I think the media did run away with it a bit, but I think it's changing. And there's something you also touched on is social media exists now, so you're not the traditional media companies aren't getting access to the players like they used to. Mm. So post game interviews, who you're interviewing, you maybe getting two 30-second, one-minute interviews with people, whereas everyone else can hop on their socials and control the narratives as well. So they've lost control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then yeah. you fucking Google bill, they're trying to get it back. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, wow. we can't talk about your podcast without talking about the beer and and everything else, but let's start with the beer. So it was originally The Locker Room. Oh, so the beer... No, it's originally no, but the beer, the, the podcast is originally The Locker Room. Yeah, The Locker Room, yeah. So, and then so, the beer's bloke in the bar. Yep. Yep. So the the podcast was called the Locker Room originally, and that was just the Facebook page. Yeah. And then then I actually created a, a show called Bloke in a Bar, and that was me talking about rugby league. Yeah. But initially, I I actually so what happened was Sandra Earl approached me about doing a show with him talking about footy, and I said to him, I don't want to do that because I don't want to say anything negative about the players, and I'm not confident enough to be able to say it in a way that's not going to hurt their feelings or be offensive. And so I said, look, let me, I'll, I'll take care of everything, the filming, the editing, the naming, all that kind of stuff. But, and then I'll just let, like, you can just be the host and, and whatever. And so, yeah, I just got to thinking, like, what would be a fucking cool name for a, a show about sport? But also give me room to go into anything. And then eventually I come up with the name Bloke in a Bar. So that's where the name came from. Eventually I did, because the other boys lost time, they couldn't, didn't have enough time to do the show on that. Eventually I became the host of that show and it was just me talking about footy. And so that's where the name Bloke in a Bar originated from, was actually a show and like I'm the bloke in a bar or whatever, and then you know obviously the beer. The, you had the sponsors uh, that you were talking about before, and then William Hill did the buyout. Obviously, you had them running yeah. you with, for a little while. How long was it after that uh, that you actually decided to start just pushing the beer primarily and make that switch to have that supplement the advertising need for the podcast and and vice versa? Yeah, so William Hill came on board. Moneyball, me and me and Moneyball, like they their budget, they'd use their budget or whatever. And then William Hill came on board, and they were actually they were there for quite a while, maybe a year or so, a year and a half. And but there was always a plan, like when we get enough money together, we have to have our own product. And so with the bloke in a bar, like we it was kind of I, I, we got sent like I got asked them to make a um, 
like a like a draft, a picture of a bloke in a bar, but on a bottle. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, we should have our own beer. That's the product. That's the perfect product for our audience. And so the plan was for year, like ages to have the beer, among other things that people that listen to our podcast would, would consume. Um, but we just needed to build up the, the capital. So it was actually whilst I was with William Hill, we started the beer and we launched it into about, I don't know, 30 stores. And we thought that was crazy, like 30 stores off the bat. That's amazing. And But then at the same time, my brother had just opened a bar and things weren't going great. And so he either had to shut the bar down, but he was left with this fucking five-year lease and mm. you have to wait to like sell it, which is like hundreds of thousands of dollars he would lose. And this is up in the Gold Coast? This is up in the Gold Coast. And I was like, I can't let my brother like go down like that. No way. He lost all of his savings and he's got this lease. You just don't know how long he's going to have to pay that lease um, with no income because the, the bar didn't work. Um, he went in with a business partner, the business partner, you know, didn't do his job because it was my brother would provide the money, the business partner would um, run it. The, anyway, did definitely didn't work out. So I was like, I'm not going to let my brother go down like that. At the very minimum, I want to come in and just try and like slowly get rid of it if we have to. Came in um, and we let the beer sell out in stores, like only 30 stores. And then we just didn't restock it in, in stores after that. Um, and we made it exclusive at the bar. And then, yeah, the, the bar took much longer to turn around than we thought it would. Um, but eventually we turned it around and yeah, got to the point where um, we had enough capital to launch to beer properly. And then that's, that's how the, that was probably, so that was about 10 months ago really that we got to launch to beer properly. And what happened to the bar? Well, we, we sold the bar. Yeah. Instagram became Bloke in a Bar. We so, tried to change Facebook's locker room name to Bloke in a Bar. They wouldn't allow us. It's just too torture. You know what else? I can't, I can't get verified. Even on my personal one, I can't get verified. Mate, Batuta's not verified on Instagram. Yeah, I've sent it and they've just like, you don't um, qualify. You've got to sell more of the uh, teeth whitening stuff before they Mate, get that blue tick, I, I guess. At, and again, like, I sound like a super narcissist or whatever, but I see people with like, and you know, maybe they are more known than me, I don't know, but like with a thousand followers, and I was like, they got a blue tick and I'm like, what the hell? Like, it's the only reason why I want a blue tick. I don't care about the blue tick. But it gives you can't get um, the functionality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get like if something happens to your account, you've got someone to communicate with. Yeah. Whereas like if something happens to me, it's not like I, could, I just got to cop the ban for nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get I mean, shadow banned for just some one red hot stupid, post. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Like I mean, I got one post taken down, and it was a, a a rugby league tackle, and it was seen as harassment and bullying. It was a rugby tackle on a footy field that other people had posted. Seems fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One, one other one was recently. It was guys in blokes budgies, and they touched each other's ass, like just, but the not bare skin, just in budgies, got taken down for like harassment or some shit. Consenting men, you know, giving each other yeah, a little pat on the back, a little blue tap. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so you changed the name of the podcast to Bloke in a Bar, and you've got the beer supporting that as well. It was a much work coming up with this kind of idea of having this, you know, relationship where you could promote the beer on the podcast and promote the podcast through the beer? No, it just kind of, it seemed obvious. You it's know, such it's, a, yeah, yeah, and it's so unique what you're doing. No, thank you. No, I appreciate it. It's, um, it. To me, personally, it just seemed obvious. In my opinion, any retail business or whatever, the marketing is usually the most expensive and the hardest to do. You know, nearly in any business you can go into and go, like, look at the margins. Okay, what's hurting? It's logistics. Okay, this is like, there's kind of like paint by numbers. Someone has done that before and you can go to them and say, you know, why, how did you make your shirts cost X amount of dollars and who did you use to, you know, how'd you keep your costs down? And you can just copy that. Whereas marketing is this very vague thing that you don't, or kind of ethereal, like if someone said, this is how you make a brand hit, 
then you would just do that. Yeah. Um, so I always knew that marketing was the hardest part of any business. If I could reduce the cost of that down to essentially zero, and if I could give or like give something to a community for years for free and build that community then the community for the product would exist before the product exists but as I, where a lot of companies they build the, they make the product and then they try to go the comp, uh, the the community but the problem is is as soon as you make that product and try to chase the community people know they're getting chased for a product yeah it seems contrived yeah exactly and and they know what's happening they can kind of smell it whereas like even if you do everything perfectly they can still be like oh well the like that's um, that's a beer, you know. Like whereas some people they might say, "Oh, bloke in a bar is a podcast." They, they don't actually say it's a beer first. Whereas I was kind of like, "Look, if I give, build this community up and show the values that I have, the values that we represent via this kind of content, if if and when I do bring out a product, those same values and and the content that I do provide, they'll be like, "No, nah, this isn't just a product. This was made for us because it was made for them," you know. And so that was kind of the thinking behind building the, the platform and having my own businesses kind of launched off it. It's interesting because authenticity is so important these mm. days. But it's also very interesting what you said about the margins. I guess marketing is such a big, you can spend, as you were saying, you could spend hundreds of millions of dollars if you're Forex. But at the same time with something like distribution, you could change distributors and save 5%. 5% is nothing to sneeze at, but it's all small mm. margins and realities. We've, you know, we've got a beer, we've got the same distributor as you. Yeah. But the marketing is where you can really make a difference. Absolutely. And also, like, if you're being honest with yourself and you're not lying about where money's going, you can see everywhere the money's going. Like, okay, how much are we spending here? How much are we selling the product for? Like, if, if you've got a person that's actually taking care of your numbers, they're like you should be able to make profit. You know what I mean? Whereas like, how do you know if the marketing's working? How do you know if it's resonating until it's too late? You know, we, I only knew it was resonating like, you know, years down the track. It took me ages. Like there could be, I mean, how many times have you listened to some some podcast or TV show and something's been marketed to you and you're like, oh, that's a really cool ad, but then you don't go and buy it. But in six months time, you might go, oh, you know what? I'm going to go and buy that. But that six months time, they stop advertising because they ran out of money. Mm. And so like, it's very hard to measure like how is the, the marketing really hitting? Um, whereas like I try to make it so that if you love the podcast, the beer, it's made for you. So you will love that too. And it, I mean, even our, like our merchandise, it goes crazy too. Similar numbers. It's not like people don't see us really as a beer company. It's like, it's not about a product. It's about a core set of values about, you know, a feeling that you get when you wear the logo or when you have the beer in your hand or the, you know, when we release our next whatever it is going to be. It's funny you talk about the kind of marketing and, and part of the things that really I've always loved about podcasts is it's quite a niche audience. So any of the advertising they do, it feels like you're being spoken to by mm. your mate. They're running through this product you love, you trust it so much more. One of the podcasts, you know, within the Diamond Tina Network and one that I love is Hello Sport. Mm. And I've heard your ads on there constantly for Bloke in a Bar. Yeah. This is just one of these things that you just could not, you know, you could never have put this on a commercial on TV or radio no. or whatever, but you can do whatever you want 100%. here. How did that, for anyone who hasn't heard, you know, these ads, they're absolutely <laughs> legendary pieces of content in themselves. Yeah, yeah. Did they come to you with like a kind of idea or did you come to them and say, look, free reign, guys, like do whatever the hell you want? No, I said to them, just do whatever you want. I just said like, they, they we, we spoke about it. See, I, I was, I began listening to their podcast, but immediately like just after one podcast i knew these guys were super super talented um and i just think that they've got a massive future so 
Half of it was because I'd love to advertise a beer, but half of it was also because I want to help support other guys that are having a crack. So Tom and Eddie were the perfect blokes to do that. And with the ads, initially when we used to talk about it, he said, do you want like a transcript or whatever? Just like being professional as you would. So you always ask the company that because usually they'll fucking send you one. I said, bro, do whatever you want. Like as long as you're not saying anything, you know, being sexist or racist or whatever, do whatever you want. Um, were you expecting get a bloke down your throat? Yeah, so look, I, the thing is, I already know all those jokes because like, but as the owner and the founder, if I push that narrative, I, I can't like go down that route too much because like I need it still to be seen as a serious beer, but other people can and have a joke about it. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely hilarious. I think it's great. It's such a good way to break down stigmas as well of, um, you know, blokes can talk about, you know, even though it is said in a funny way, you know, 20 years ago, if you even mentioned that, you'd be like, what are you fucking saying? That, like, gross, this, that. Whereas blokes now, most guys are like, that's funny, who cares? It's funny, you know what I mean? So, um, no, I, I love the ads. I think they're hilarious and I think they're both incredibly talented. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a little hot take. <laughs> they still haven't sent me punters as dribblers had. <laughs> and I had to ask for it and I still haven't got it. Damn well. Any stock out here? We may have one out the back, <laughs> mate. I'm uh, I'm a bit hurt to be honest. I'm slightly I'm hurt. I feel like I, f- I felt like we were building something special, um, but clearly not. Clearly, this is a one-sided relationship. I'm just pining after those boys. Um, no, again, I they're just extremely talented. I think they can be the Ham- Hamish and Andy of sport. I really do. So. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Hamish and Andy, Ryan HG. That's the sort of space. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just think that there's more room for it. Like we're so sick. I don't want to hear. Some cookie cutter, like, oh, yeah, they completed more sets than the other person. Like, give me a bit of fun. Like, everyone already knows that stuff already. Like, yes, they've got to complete more sets in rugby league. But if you give me a bit of flavor with it. Yeah, some passion. Uh, yeah, a bit of passion, a bit of flavor. And that's what, you know, people really enjoy about Bloke in a Bar is that I'll give you the stats, but I'll also say Cam Murray is unbelievably good looking. Yeah. Like, things like that. Oiled up, short shorts. Yeah, exactly. Guy. Like, yeah. All, all of that. Or even funny stuff like uh, Latrell, I'll flog you. Like, obviously, I would <laughs> never do that. He's fucking massive. But all the little funny stuff, like, because Bloke in a Bar is basically, I want to make it feel like you're at a pub watching the footy. And so, like, the commentary that you have for the game, that's the kind of commentary I want to have in the podcast. And also, we've got um, we've got a new show coming out at the start of this year called Blokes on the Bench. And it'll be basically every Saturday or whatever day we choose, you know, for the first 30 minutes, we'll be going on all the latest um, footy news, but then we'll watch the game and, you know, commentate, but in a not a very official commentary way you know we'll tell stories kind of like the joe rogan fight like companion. a companion thing yep. yeah yep. that's 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 fantastic so what's your workload like at the moment i mean you've got the previews for the rounds coming up you've got yep. the reviews of the round that you've had you've got the interviews i mean how much of your time are you putting into yeah. this and just wanted to flag those previews and reviews are one-handers that's you just yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah I that's mean, just me in my second room huh. Like just talking on mic. Phenomenal. Like, I mean, that's a phenomenal skill. <laughs> I, you know what? It's just, it just happened out of necessity. Like I, So I had a guy, he was just there. Like a lot of people thought that he was a producer, but he's not like I. Um, he was just there because I thought that I would need that person there to just break it up a bit. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think that I still will need someone eventually. Like, But I just said, you know what? Stuff it. I'll just do it myself. And, and that, that way I can pump out way more content. And so it's usually uh, when the season starts... It's on Monday, it's a review of the week. And I think on Thursday, it's a preview of the the coming week. And it's about an hour about an hour long, usually. Um, but yeah, I learned everything off YouTube, really. Just YouTube taught me really everything. So 
So you're just searching best backdrop for your podcast or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Best lighting kind of techniques and all this sort of stuff. Absolutely. How do you get to look professional? Everything like what equipment do you use? Like how to hook up um, an audio interface? Uh, the mic. Like the thing is, is like cameras. The, the the audio is really easy. You just fucking plug and play. Really, it's the editing of the video that stings you, and you got to sit there and be like, oh man, I got to watch the same interview that I just had. I got to watch it back, but. Um, you know, workload-wise, you know, seven days a week all the time. But I love it. Like, I love the grind. I love, you know, sometimes uh, it's going to sound a bit psychotic, but when I see other people in a space having breaks, it makes me feel good. It makes me want to work harder because I'm just like, I'm getting one up on you here. Like, you think you're going to outgrive me. It's not going to happen. You might do something better like once or twice in the sense of like, you know, you have a better day. But I pride myself on consistency. You know, always, in my opinion, consistency is the most underrated but most valuable asset in any like podcast or online thing it's like you want to become part of someone's routine and become so much a part of their routine that they don't even see you as part of their routine you're just a part of their life yeah and that's what i want bloke in a bar is that they don't they don't see me like oh he posted at this time or that time it's more just like it's a sunday i sit down and i watch bloke in a bar yeah like that's that's i think that's been a lot of the like the big reason why it's been successful is that it's so consistent you know like i haven't haven't missed a day of posting in like i don't know fucking very very like years and are uh, you the one posting everything on social media everything you see is me yeah right yeah from from right ago everything i don't have a an assistant or, or whatever everything you see is me now that may be like you know that's not because i'm trying to be a hero it's just because like i just want to know i want to control every asset so i know I'm, it's quality it's timely you know something pops up boom make the joke straight away catch that wave of the joke when it's cool not when it's cringe and you know you overplay it or whatever yeah. um, i don't like to schedule anything because i like to feel what's happening in the community so don't get me wrong like i work a lot of hours but it's not really work it's because i it's mine you know it's my life and um, and I've got a great partner at the moment. Uh, well, at the moment, <laughs> saying like it might not be in the future. <laughs> no, I've got a really, really good partner that will be around forever. Contractually <laughs> um, obliged. Yeah, yeah. Um, she understands. You know, she understands that she she's very accommodating to the lifestyle, which is always being ready to because it's a news. It's also a news site. So any late news got to be. If we're out having dinner or whatever, she knows that I'll be watching. I might be watching the footy on my phone, um, and she just understands that you sacrifice, if we want to. You know, live an uncommon life. We've got to do uncommon things, and this is all I think about. How do we do something better? Like, what? How can we innovate? What can we change up here? You know, how do we how do we create content that's never been done before? Um, what does the user want? What does the you know the, the community want? How do we how do we change the game? We we talked about the the media before and how they like to cut down you know players in the league, while at the same time grandstanding them, getting them up, and then make sure they got that tall poppy thing happening. Yeah. Quite a few, a few of your podcasts, you do spend the time to kind of break down contracts and arrangements that are happening in the game. I think the one that stood out was when you were talking about COVID and, and what that meant to the business of rugby league and kind of just taking the media spin away from it and just giving everyone the facts yeah. of what was happening. Is that sort of something that we're getting the shits with a bit yourself prior to this and thought, you know what, it's pretty straightforward. I can break this down yeah. and really let people know what's going on. I find it fascinating, bordering on infuriating the amount of misinformation that is out there. For example, like there was a whole media spin of um, the Greenberg, worst CEO yeah. in history, rah, rah. And that was all being leaked by people that obviously want to take his job. And again, you might not agree with what he did or you may you may think he's the worst um, CEO in history. That's totally fine. Like you can think that. But don't think it 
because of false information we're giving. Don't think he's a bad CEO because he, they ran out of money or whatever when he posted a massive profit. That's what, I'd rather, if you still want to think that but you have the correct information, totally sweet. I would just want to make sure that people get the correct information out there. Um, be, and be aware of the agendas that are in play as well. Absolutely. And, well, that Greenberg one, I was listening to that at the end, thinking they should fucking get back and rehire this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. really bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, like I, I'm, I'm totally okay with people having their opinion either way. Like, they can be stoked with him or hate him. But again, I just... Have it on the right information because you're the one that's getting manipulated for something. What Everyone, as you said, wants to have a podcast now, including us. Um, you've got players who are starting their own now. I heard an interview you were doing with Justin Horro and, and he's obviously got his and you're giving mm. him a bit of advice. What's your duty there? With I mean, I, I feel my duty is to give as much advice and help as I can. You know, We're all in this together and I think it's, it's a much broader thing as well. It's not just about other players. It's about, you know... And I'm getting a bit deeper here, but there has been a glass ceiling on most of society for a very long time. And the internet has smashed that glass. Now, don't get me wrong, it still like exists maybe a level higher, but the internet has really smashed open a lot of opportunity for a lot of people where that, no, like, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago, even now today, you had people at networks in positions of power that dictated who got a shot and who didn't, which is whatever. They're just doing their job, not have cracking them. Now, no one dictates who can make a better life for themselves, who can go on the internet, teach themselves something, and then earn money from something they love. No one can stop you from doing that. And so that's why like, you see all these governments and all these people in power scrambling to get that power back because no one was going to give me a chance. Like, like no... I still can't even get a response from some networks when I email them. Literally, like, still can't even get them to answer the email. Anyone who has managed to break through to some extent in this space, it is your duty to also offer at least the information and the way for other people that were from the same, you know, they didn't have rich parents, they didn't grow up privileged, they didn't grow up with all these opportunity, they grew up with, you know, just like a normal person in Australia. I think it is your duty to at least try to help them get a better life because. You know, if you don't, then you're just as bad as the guys that weren't going to let you through, in my opinion. Yeah, hand up, not hand out. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting podcasting. I think YouTube to a degree as well. It's it, different from all other, most other media where people actually are very, it's very community orientated and people are very much willing to help each other. It just seems to be the culture. There's no losers in creating content. Like who, like, yes, okay, you might have a guy that has heaps of followers or a girl and you might have someone that doesn't, but like content is content, everyone wins. Like as long as you've got the time to do whatever. And so this idea that there's this like content pie that you know only a certain amount of, amount of people are, it's just crazy. And then on top of that, like if someone, imagine if someone came to you, imagine if you found out 10 years into, I mean, pod, let's say podcast has been around, podcasting has been around main-ish stream for five years. We'll just say five years. That's fucking generous in my opinion, but we'll say five years. Imagine if someone, you found out someone in the first five years of TV said, don't go into TVs, everyone's doing TV shows. You would be like, you're a crazy person. That is the worst <laughs> advice anyone could ever give. And that's where we're at with podcasts. We're so early on and it's it's not just a podcast, like we're changing the way we consume content. We never before, anytime we had to consume content, whether you book TV or whatever, you have to sit down, either read or watch. Now we can do two things at once. So the cons- consumption of content is up and it's a whole new method of consumption, you know? Whenever someone's like, oh, man, there's so many podcasts out there, I just say, okay, 
Or do you want to be the guy that said the internet was a fad? Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to, there was people that actually said that. Or didn't listen to your Bitcoin, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people actually didn't listen to Bitcoin, mate. They spent it all on a stupid podcast setup on their credit card. Could have just bought some freaking Bitcoin. We don't do any of this work. So um, now you're able to kind of create the studio and everything of your dreams. You were showing us some photos before the podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what you've got planned for that? Yeah, what, what does 12 months look like as well? Mate, 12, 12 months is a genuine online sports network that is seen in the same light as you see Fox Sports online. Like, I want, like, especially the next generation, and they already do it now. For example, I had Ryan Papanusen on the podcast, and he sat down and he was filming it. He's like, bro, like, like last year I was saying to my mates, imagine being on Bloke in a Bar, like in his studio and that, like talking. And so, like, that whole next generation, they're not saying, imagine being on the networks. They're saying, you know, imagine being on, not, not all of them, like, fucking huge ego there, but, you know, <laughs> some of them, some of them are saying, you know, I'd love to be on Bloke in a Bar. And so in a year's time, I want people to genuinely, when they say sports networks, they say Fox Sports, they say Bloke in a Bar, and they say Nine. You've just got to like, you don't want to go too far down the sports network route of, of just replicating what they do. But there are certain norms that a person needs to see to go, that is a sports network, you know? If I'm just like doing a podcast all the time, they're just going to, oh, that's a podcast, whatever. But if they see this like, these wide camera angles and this great setup that, you know, costs quite a bit to set up, you know, these multiple different camera angles, the graphics, the music, if they see that, even though that is kind of a replica of what's come before, it still can be different enough where it is a sports network, but it's a new kind of, the new wave of sports networks. So you're going to have your sports desk. What else are you going to have? You, I mean, you have a podcast desk and then you're going to have a sort of sports desk, yep. desk set up and it looked like you have a lounge in there as well. Sort of, would so, that be for people to sit in or are you can actually shoot on that as well? So we're, going to have, so we're going to have a lounge in there for people to sit on. But what we're going to basically do is with the uh, blokes on the bench, the, the companion for the rugby league, is we'll probably get like, we'll say five or six people can come and just watch on it because we've got a hundred inch TV in there. Come watch footy on the thing. We'll give them beers, whatever. And then we'll do the, the blokes on the bench show with them there. Um, so that that may be used for content, but then we've got the table that's very Joe Rogan esque, and then we've got the sports network uh, sports desk in the corner that's a bit higher and it's going to look like a bit of a bar. And then behind us, we're going to have two two chairs like you know the uh, not the brilliant idiots, you know Schultz's show um, Andrew Schultz Andrew Schultz's show they have like two chairs in that middle table. So we'll have something similarish to that as another set, and basically we want to make it so that I like I personally want to make it like if you want to come and use it be my guest like come use it like I'm just sitting here by myself it's just going to be me in there pretty much initially um, especially with rugby league like if you're doing a sports podcast love you to come and use it we'll have all the equipment we'll have four high end cameras we'll have a switchboard we'll have everything that you need to make professional quality um, content um, so what advice would you give to someone who was starting a podcast don't make a podcast and think that the banter between you and your friend is going to be interesting don't do that. Like I know a lot of people think that what they say to their mates is funny and, and, and it is funny to your group but there's nothing worse than two people sitting there with inside jokes that no one else knows and you're like, oh, I'm just not interested. You need to talk about topics that someone else is going to be interested in talking about. Um, you need to cut the fat. Don't sit there rambling for the first 20 minutes because you've like, make it less about you. You know, get into like constantly think about the consumer. Like think about who's listening to it. What do they want don't think about what you want. Think about what they want. If they're sitting there and they, they don't want to hear... Let's say you want to complain for 20 minutes about something. Unless it's a comedic thing. Like, who wants to hear that? Like, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear inside jokes. So, like, you know, cut out rambling intros. Cut out um, the fat from episodes in the sense of, like, once you've said the point, and I'm probably bad at this myself, but once you've said the point, you know, move on to the next point of the topic that you're speaking about. A lot of people have a tendency to 
to, to linger around a topic too much. Uh, but again, this is this is all advice that you kind of have to go through it to, to learn it. Um, but yeah, I would just say um, pick like topics that a lot of people are going to want to talk about or hear about that you're interested in also. Don't do something where you're going to just have inside jokes with your friend. The only time inside jokes with your friends are going to work is if you guys have been friends for years and the, the audience has been with you for years because they get the inside jokes then. Um, and consistency. You just be consistent. And like, for example, if you're starting a podcast and let's say it's a skincare podcast, comment regularly on the skincare podcast. Don't advertise your podcast, but comment interesting comments that add value to that community to introduce yourself to the community you're trying to get into. That's ways, go to the forums, talk. Again, don't advertise a podcast. There's nothing more cringe than that. And so it's a free way to introduce yourself to a community that already exists. And it's the exact community that you're trying to, like if I'm a, a rugby league page, I'm always commenting, you know, for example, if I put a post up and it says, who do you think the best NRL player is? Comment on it. Give it, you know, give a good quality reason as to that. And you, you that's, that's, 40,000 people or 20,000 people free advertising to them. So that's the way I would get my name out there if I was for free too. You've obviously, you're doing you know, everything under the sun, podcasting and, and everything from, you know, building a media empire. Yeah. If you are listening to a couple, you've mentioned a few podcasts throughout this show. If you had to recommend a couple for listeners out there, what would you go for? They can be oh, stupid. Man. They can be intellectual. They can be whatever you want. Your guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Um, well, Hello Sports is a great sports one. I think they're the best sports podcast in the country. Sam Harris is always good. He's just so eloquent with what he talks about and has a, a really kind of almost greatest of all time. Maybe Christopher Hitchens was better, but really good at breaking down complex concepts to people like me that fucking don't know, like he's a you know, neuroscientist or whatever. Really good. He breaks down these really complex thoughts and ideas into really not layman terms, but uses great metaphors that are really good to extract the information out of. So he's he's really good to listen to. I think like if you what if you can consume too much like content in your area or whatever, you can muddy your own personal brand and personal way you do things. Um, even like with footy, I try not to ever you know consume too much other rugby league content because then I'll start even if I'm not doing it consciously i'll start doing exactly. similar shit to them 100 percent agree yeah. with that yeah, like so. i love the nba if i listen to a couple nba podcasts without even thinking of it i'm starting to form opinions around what i've heard exactly and it, and it can get sometimes it's good because like if you haven't watched a game you can get a good opinion or whatever but yeah if, if your your take isn't going to be as unique as possible if you're listening to multiple you know whatever so i try to keep my mind as free as possible to keep things as unique as possible almost impossible but yeah i the only, honestly, the only podcast I really listen to on a regular is the Hello Sports one and probably maybe Dave Portnoy's new one a bit. I try not to listen to Dave Portnoy's too much because um, even though what I, I started, what I started before I knew Barstool TV existed, they are similar to what we do or to what to what um, Bloke and Abar does. Ish. Not, they're, they're a bit more ruthless than us. But I don't want to take ideas from them. Um, but I like Dave Portnoy as a person. I think he's hilarious. And what about favorite rapper, favorite movie? Favorite rapper, favorite movie? <laughs> favorite rapper, Eminem? Favorite movie, Gladiator. Well, we were very entertained today. Thank so, you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Mate, that was awesome. Boom. Well, that was Denim Kemp from Bloke in a Bar. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Podcast. 